Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's home with Superior. Issue 168, I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. What the fuck and was that? What? <laughs> oh, a I, weird squeal. <laughs> that was my impression of Vicky from Talking Swords. I love it. <laughs> Um, so this week, um, first, um, as a, just an announcement, we'll be off next week for Christmas, uh, but we'll have a bunch of additional content coming out starting Monday, as well as our best of worst stuff for 2020 the following week. Uh, there's going to be more content, more discussion about that at the end. Uh, we're going to take a look at some of the comics this week, uh, visit the Home of Superior Trailer Park. There's some contract news and announcements, and Clark's got some. Watch out, Kaylin, watch in, because uh, I think you need <laughs> some of those comics. Yeah, uh, so uh, in our comics, we have two main segments. First is Reign of X. I did that for Ryan, even though he's not here this week, uh, and Kink and Black. But I'm going to start with uh, our Reign of X books. Uh, we had two that come, came out this week. It was New Mutants number 14 uh, by Vita Ayala. In fact, it was their first issue. And uh, Rod Reese is back as artist. Uh, as you remember, he did the um, the majority of the Jonathan Hickman run where they, the mutants went out in space. And then we also have X-Force number 15, the writer Benjamin Percy and uh, artist is Joshua Cassara, who were the regular team for the book. So New Mutants, um, they, the, the book finally has a reason to exist. Um, <laughs> you know, for a while, I feel like, I felt like they were kind of jumping all over the place, even though it was entertaining. Uh, they went out to space, as I said before. They went to all over the world to like rescue mutants, but it felt kind of aimless. Um, and finally, the book has a little bit of direction, as we see at the beginning of the book, where uh, you had some of the original New Mutants plus Warpath uh, writing a little uh, little memorandum over to Professor X, saying, "Hey, you've got all these younger mutants who just don't really have very much to do, and so we, you know, propose training them." And Charles is like, "Godspeed." Have fun. Uh, so most of the book is them trying to train uh, some of the younger mutants, uh, including the uh, much beloved return of Gabby, uh, AKA Honey Badger, one of my favorite characters. Uh, and of course, uh, Homo Superior favorite, uh, Anal, and that, that is how you pronounce her name. <laughs> um, and also and a comic book character. Just <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm sure uh, Brent was super excited to see Farouk uh, return with a kind of a secret origin of his. Uh, as well as like the Shadow King. Uh, it's just, um, I'm glad to have uh, one of the original X-Men villains back. So uh, let's have a little discussion going. Brent? So uh, don't forget, we also got um, Dust, who I think is an interesting character that I hope they explore more. Um, this to me is very exciting because al along with Arako being something that's coming in the future and us being able to get new mutants, this, as far as like um, a comic pro producer goes, seems like the perfect area to test out new characters and really try and see who is interested in whom based off of like real-time feedback. Uh, and then it kind of pushed stories to include, you know, uh, people we've never heard of before or people who help contrast other characters better. Um, I think it's, you know, very exciting. And of course, yeah, I've, I, I do love the Shadow King. 
I thought you were gonna say you do love anal, but um, no. I, I recently I, learned anal is a lizard. <laughs> There's a lizard called an anole. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. What do you mean you just knew figured that out? Well, I saw some nature documentary, and they're like the anole, and I'm like, that's anal. That's anal. <laughs> they were <laughs> glad you learned. <laughs> I didn't know that either, so thank you for teaching me. I had to, in Boy Scouts, we had to do a merit badge, which was reptile merit badge, and I had to raise two of them. Two anals at once? Yeah. One of them died. It got stuck underneath the mat and just, like, heated itself to death. Oh, God. Clark, I had no idea you were bad at anal. Um, only only bad at one version of anal. <laughs> okay. Um, so I really like I partially really like this comic was because they go for such deep cuts like Rain Boy is this character that was in four issues 10 years ago oh my god like, no 15 years ago excuse me and what what, what was that horrible run anyways it, it's Young like, X-Men yeah no 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 um, he was on Gambit's team the Corsairs not the Corsairs whatever Gambit's fucking shitball team was with um, oh. oh that sounds familiar yeah anyways hmm. it was rough he ended up being uh, killed during M Day because he was just made of water and he was turned into nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very interesting for him to suddenly be back 15 years later and actually having some sort of important role based on the ending when they go and hang out with Farouk himself. Yeah. Petra's an original, like the, what is it? Not, is it Deadly Genesis? Like, were they, was she, where was she from? Was she part of the Deadly Genesis? Yeah, that's what I thought. It seems very weird that she's there. That's what I was gonna. That's why I was so confused by. I was like, shouldn't she be like forty? Maybe age makes sense because no, because when she died, she was probably a similar age to them. But she's also getting drunk and being skanky up it in what the hell Cyclops's place in the blue side? Oh, up up, up in the moon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabriel Summers and and Sway are getting wasted all the time. So like. That doesn't seem like what's going on with this supposedly 15-year-old, 16-year-old girl suddenly. They've got to figure that out. Uh, yeah. I, I did like this so issue. That's weird. It was a good uh, soft reboot for the series. I think Vita's writing was interesting. Yes. The artwork is really fun. Like It's a great like kickoff issue, obviously kind of just setting up some stakes and some character interactions, but it'll, it'll all come to see what happens next. But, I, you know, as a... I know we were kind of up and up and down because of the different writings on New Mutants before, but I do agree with you, Caitlin, that I think this lends a lot more structure to what it could actually be, which is why the first cup, like it was so uneven because it really was doing nothing except for just telling two mini stories, essentially. So, yeah. Uh, Brent? Oh, I was just going to ask um, you know, we've got this character, Cosmar who, you know, can create this kind of like cosmic reality dreamscape thing. And she looks absolutely batshit insane. Uh, like she's eight characters put together. <laughs> um, I thought she was not going to go away. What do you guys think about a character like her being included in the future? Um, are you, do you have any interest? Yeah, I, I certainly do. I think, um, I think she's got a lot of potential, even though I didn't, particularly love the Ed Britson issues. I felt like her her as a character was just sort of fascinating enough. And I like it when they bring in mutants that don't necessarily look like models. Right. They, they look a little bit off kilter. Um, 
And it kind of keeps the spirit of the original New Mutants run where you had these like bizarro characters and, you know, the art like kind of follow it, like with Bill Sienkiewicz doing the Demon Bear storyline and other other storylines for the original New Mutants. Um, I don't know. It, it kind of gives me it gives me that, that a little bit of that feeling without uh, completely aping um, what happened before. The uh... of all the characters they have there, there are not many that are like super damaged anymore. And this one's definitely one that is incredibly damaged. They're going to deal with both their powers going out of control and then us trying to, you know, learn who they are without their pa- without their powers getting in the way of our figuring themselves out. I also really like that the um, a lot of the younger uh, mutants were all like total fanboying and fangirling like the yeah. original New Mutants. Like when they're like, hold on, we got this. We're going to show you how we fight. Uh, I loved uh, the two teams kind of going up against each other. Uh, I loved like Warlock and Warpath, uh, you know, mm-hmm. creating that sort of like mech suit together and, you know, magic being like, okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, I love magic fighting Warlock as a sword and, and saying, Am I the only one that, you know, still likes swords? Like, I, I just think that was such a yeah. nice little throwaway scene. Yeah. This, I um, love the, the power of that magic and Wolfsbane have was just throw one dog and make five <laughs> <like> dogs. <laughs> like, wow, what a cool looking power. That was uh, pretty silly. Yeah. If you, with our powers combined, we can make five dogs. <laughs> that was so I, I do feel like this positioning for the New Mutants is also useful, like the actual original New Mutants. Like, they're not quite professors, but they're not quite, because I think what you, has really been happening without a younger set of people for them to mentor, they still end up looking like kids, even though they're obviously much older and much changed, but from like years of experience. So I like this kind of like in-between young 20 type, feeling where they're still figuring out their lives, but obviously they can mentor much younger uh, people. Who would have pegged Danny Moonstar to um, be the kind of person who generates those ridiculous viral Facebook memes where you have to answer (laughs) questions about yourself? Oh my God. Um, I can see it, I can see it. I mean, she was a teacher. A lot of these were teachers for these same kids, which is very strange. What was that? That's right, name? during the first pet. During New X-Men. Mm-hmm. Like some That's of these right. were already their teachers, so it's, it's I don't know. It I still sense. find it, it strange that people who graduated from school like anal suddenly have been d- downgraded to being students again. Well, yeah, I yeah. It does feel like at least it's more just about teaching mutant power. Like it's it's less like schooling and more just like mentorship. But I agree that they always find a way to cycle people back through to be like, you're the t- you're the student now. Like it's just very like odd sometimes. Poor Jubilee's been downgraded forty five thousand times. <laughs> she's like a grown woman with a child that's also a dragon, and she's like, I gotta go to school, gotta get to class. Getting your PhD is really hard. It takes right. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. They're just in grad school now for mutant powers as opposed to high school. Well, I said when um, the Donna books, even before the Donna books um, uh, books were announced that I would like to have seen something that uh, kind of resembled a school again. So this is yes. like kind of the perfect place yeah. for it. Um, and they're almost like, they're like non-tenured professors. They're like, oh, they're almost there. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, they've, they've, they've got to, they got to make it. And also, um, I was telling Clark this off podcast, like, I'm so 
so goddamn relieved that Vita just fucking killed it. Like I yeah. enjoyed their issue of Marauders during Ten of Swords. Uh, it was the Storm issue where she goes to Wakanda yeah. to okay. steal uh, Skybreaker. Um, and um, you know, this is a very strong opening issue because I started getting very self-conscious about us being more critical of the Dawn of X, Reign of X books that were written by queer care by queer creators female creators such as uh, Teeny Howard and Leah Williams, uh, who respectively do Excalibur and X-Factor and us being really complimentary of the books written by basically cis white men. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. Please except, for Ed Brisson, except for Ed Brisson. <laughs> yeah. We thank you, thank you Ed, for being a white man. We did not like your book. Yeah, even 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 um, Fallen Angels, uh, the writer, right. Brian Edward Hill, is an African-American guy. Like I was like, God damn it. Like, you know, um, hey, like, hey, talent is talent, talent is talent, but like at the same time, it's just like, yeah. I just felt kind of icky about We've it. We've done know? it. We've done it. But don't forget, we shit on Guggenheim for three years straight. So we're doing something right. And that, yeah, right. but he's hey, 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 Oh, damn it. <laughs> hey, hey, Adam, how could you be a misogynist? Your mom is a woman, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. and, and on Homo Superior, it's it's practically a pastime to shit on Rob Layfield. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. Thanks, Vita. Thank you for giving us um, short shorts on Warpath. Yeah, yes. very hot. That was very him nice. Being, him being like, yeah, I know it's not the official uniform. I don't care. It frees my legs. We know um, you Warpath. And my third do think, one. Do you think Dylan from House of X left his room for a full day after that issue <laughs> came out? I, I, I messaged him about it earlier today. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. He I'm found sure his, did. New co- his new outfit, his cosplay to do for Instagram. <laughs> but it won't have a shirt on. But it'll just be <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll be like, uh, like a painting of a shirt, a painting of the tank top. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move on to X-Force uh, number 15 where we see Beast continuing his streak of being a bastard. He's got Jean Grey uh, going into Colossus's memories and mind to make sure he's actually not a double agent. Of course he isn't, because he's Colossus. Um, but what I did really like about this issue is uh, what they, how they are using Omega Red, a character I've never really liked very much, and creating, a, creating like a sleeper double agent for him to go and uh, basically spy on Dracula and the Vampire Nation. I thought that was a really nice um, uh, kind of turn turn of events. And w- the kinds of things that like a CIA type uh, entity on Krakoa would be doing. Um, and I like that, like, you know, again, it goes back to the kind of the real politics of the Marvel Universe that the X-Books are doing super, super well with uh, by treating, um, uh, Dracula as a sovereign of his own nation, of, of a hostile nation against Krakoa. Um, what did you all think? I mean, uh, I love it. I love the fact that Beast is awful and just like <laughs> basically a villain now. I don't know. I love that they've kept with that tact. Um, I do. I like the fact that the Vampire Nation is not just showing up in Wolverine; it's showing up in here as well. So yeah. it actually, you know, continues. Well, the continuity makes sense and doesn't drag us too far down into boringness um and the art was gorgeous i loved the the image of like the hold in um omega red's chest yeah and the vines growing out i just love everything i just love god the whale the whale with the (laughs) 
it's crazy. This, this issue had like 17 stories at once, and that poor dog. Brett, as a question, we have not seen anything to do with this black orb covered in vines previously, right? This is a new storyline kind of feature, right? Okay, good. Yes, as far as I, I know. I think it's interesting. It's a weird thing to come out of Krakoa. I don't know if that's like Krakoa's equivalent of like a pimple or like <laughs> Krakoa kind of like naturally produces that the X-Men have to like worry about in the future. Um, the fact that we have not lost Beast being an absolute piece of garbage and that is his storyline now makes me so happy. Um, but I also do like that Forge uh, is using the Abyss style technology in order to explore the deep sea. Yeah. It's, it's hyper oxygen rich fluid. That is such a funny ad to me that they like doubled up on the seafaring stuff. Cause I'm like, okay, you're obviously gonna have to go into the water with all of this new gear. Um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I thought it's a lot of moving plot pieces that all feel connected. I still don't know who this purple bitch is, but I really enjoy her with her water powers. I was going to uh, say, I finally like her now that she's shat on Beast. <laughs> well, because they originally introduced her as this like weird nature wife that's like, I hate when they're just like, now this muscle man has a woman. But yeah. she's like, no, fuck you. I'm worse than Colossus, bitch. I'll go fuck you up. The story was basically, the story was basically setting her up to be put in a refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> that's true but now i like her at least enough to care yeah no no that's yeah. what i'm saying i'm like i'm glad that they're trying to fill her out more right so when she dies the only thing i didn't like about the issue is at the very end when you saw black tom being you know captured by black tom and domino being you know kind of captured by the weird viney zombie sea people and you just got Domino going, surf's up. Like, it's just such a 90s, <laughs> such a 90s sitcom ending, like, freeze frame, you know, kind of a thing. And then, like, then you see the credits, you know? Uh, yeah, right. It's just, it's just, it's too, it's too, like, full house, too, too horsing around. I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't. I've heard of a red tide, time. but geez Louise. <laughs> Um, I did really like the info page in this issue because basically, and I love the five too, because the five is like, they're like the smartest, I would say business people on the planet. Cause they're like, are we sure we're supposed to do this? Aver's like, yes. And they're like, but what if maybe we don't know? It's like, I just love that they're constantly being shut down and basically just being told to do shit, even though they're the ones that have all the power. I just found the, the interaction pretty interesting and continued confirmation that Xavier is like a little bit of a dickhead or I mean, I think that was already confirmed, but reaffirmed. Well, it kind of brings up the whole idea of how like different power factions are starting to pop up within Krakoa. Yeah. Like, you've got the Quiet Council for sure. Um, you know, Scott and Jean are reforming the X-Men. You've got the Hellfire Trading Company. And then now you've got X-Force that, you know, they're basically um, going against what the five believe should be part of the resurrection protocols. I like... I like, I, I, there's so much rich storytelling potential here. I'm very, very excited about that. So two very good X books this week. So let's move on to I, Pink um, and I had Black. one quick comment before, before <laughs> um, that I didn't bring up. I liked in New Mutants with Honey Badger and the whole concept of like, if she dies, what happens? Cause of the whole embargo. Right. On Madeline Pryor thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I just yeah. like how they're tying all the, clone issues together and just I, I don't know I want that to come to a head I'm very excited yeah 
Well, the continuity is super even, tight. Even Laura, uh, even X-23 is a clone. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they would bring her back if she died. For sure. Anyway, sorry. Uh, no, no, that was just a gene. That was just a gene play against Madeline. She's like, no, oh, there can't be two. There can't be another of me. Um, all right, let's move on to Kink and Black. So we had two issues that came out this week. Not the main series, but two, I would say, quite good and one very important uh, ancillary book. Uh, the first is Black Cat Number One by Jed McKay, and the artist is C.F. Villa. And then uh, King and Black Immortal Hulk, a one-shot by regular Immortal Hulk writer Al Ewing, and the art by Aaron Cooter. So Black Cat, it really kind of just sort of retells what happens in um, in the first issue of King and Black, but kind of from her perspective. Um, and what I really, really liked about it was um, she has a mission. She and her little team, they have a mission now uh, to basically go rescue Doctor Strange because he's supposed to be the key in uh, subduing Null. Uh, what did y'all think? I mean, I since I've read her the last twelve issues of her series, eleven issues of her series. Um, I, I mean, I like how it's a c- total continuation. We get to the fact that she had already in the last couple issues stolen from him and gotten stuck in his weird voodoo magic, weird crazy like worlds and stuff. It was very interesting. Um, I don't know. I just like the fact of seeing them all getting like sucked up by the venom esque. Oh vine. yeah, that's the man. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The whole thing seems great. I like that she's going to have to rescue somebody she stole from earlier. It's yeah. it's, a, it's a really nice tie-in because it, it, again, I think we were talking about the differences between crossover just like amongst ourselves before recording. And I, this almost has a bit of like a <laughs> 10 of swords nature to it where it's like, it's a submission of the overall plot line, but it obviously has importance. And that's the kind of stuff that I really enjoy with like crossovers. I hate one shots that are just like, here's what this character kind of dealt with, but has no impact on the storyline. Like there was just really cool also to get more of the flavor from what was happening from the first issue from a different perspective, a different viewpoint. So I really liked it. I thought the artwork was great. There was like a little bit of an anime flair, especially for Felicia's like designs. So I'm always about that life. Um, so yeah, in general, I really enjoyed it. And I look, they're good. They're just part one. So there'll be more, which I'm excited about too. Right. I think there's a, you know, for the dialogue, I didn't love a lot of it. It was the kind of same thing of like, you know, a lot of the voices blended together, especially when they had the character of uh, Dr. Steve, when, you know, they had this kind of back and forth and Dr. Steve call, you know, mentions that someone else is called Dr. Corpse. Like it just felt like there's jokes in here that are bland. There's personalities that are not distinct enough. That's but fair. I do really enjoy the kind of Ant-Man style of cognitively reframing missions under a different guise. So like narratively, I like the idea of we've got to heist a person rather than like a rescue mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it makes you think like, how do you break into Null? Which is a fundamentally stupid but fun question. Um, I, I think it's interesting. And I do think that it, they did a good job of having an additional character jump into the um you know the kind of big time avengers fray and then form their own you know storyline separate from it right um i particularly liked captain america saying like get away from the fight because you know you're the one who's got to save us because i imagine he would have said that to any person (laughs) (laughs) it's true though yeah you're right (laughs) Hey, woman, I've only met a few times. You're good at stealing things. You're the most important person in this room. That 
that actually is what I always find so interesting too, is like, obviously there's no reason that these two characters would have had that much overlap, but like, you know, there's been so much content for both of them over the years. I just think it's so fun when even like nowadays in 2020, be like, yeah, you're that person, right? Like, it's just We've so never met before. <laughs> We've met a few times probably, but it's one of those Was there things. an Avengers well, yeah, holiday a, party or? Yeah, it's like a work relationship that like you kind of done some work with a person of passion. Like, hey, you, we were on teams <laughs> together, but like, we never really talked. Spider-Man mentioned you. Then I became a mobster for a while and may have been involved in killing some people, but that's a great idea <laughs> that the comics don't want us to talk about anymore. All right. Well, All right, well, let's move on to um, Immortal Hulk, the one shot there, which was a silent issue. Um, uh, the art I thought was absolutely phenomenal, but it's just, um, it's sort of the, the childlike Hulk who has to ex ex uh, escape from some symbiotes into a... a uh, department store uh he turns back into bruce banner bruce banner does some you know cool no that wasn't MacGyver. Bruce banner. it's not bruce banner no that was um what the fuck's his name joe that's fucking joe oh joe fix it yeah oh because he oh, that's right um i need to catch up on immortal hulk you're right uh it's the only it, ones not captured are savage hulk and joe fix it who is like yeah. a scrawny little weirdo kind of skeevy las vegas dirt bag yeah well um he ends up macgyvering some shit and blowing up the symbiotes and 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 then the, the savage hulk has a merry little christmas there in the department store yeah it was good character work um i guess that's all we're gonna get out of a silent issue yeah <laughs> connection connection to the storyline i don't know I'm surprised they even allowed this to happen since the actual comic is so densely packed and plotted well, I guess they kind of like checked up a lot of boxes, right? It's a holiday issue. It's a tie-in issue. It's a silent issue, which is always nice to do once in a while for a character. But yeah, I did like, there's not a whole lot to take away from it besides that. It, it was like, I was enjoyably reading it, or I should say looking at it very fast. But Brent? Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the meme, blank can't harm you, but like, it's the meme goes like, oh, you know, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg on, you know, a, a jet ski, you know, can't harm you. And then it's Mark Zuckerberg, you know, looking in a, you know, skin tight suit on a, he looks horrifying on a jet ski. Uh, <laughs> skinny, skinny Hulk can't harm you. And it's like skinny Hulk is right here. And it's just so creepy and uncomfortable. It's very weird. I don't know what it is about it, but it makes my skin crawl. Um, he looks great, I guess, but like now he's just not as cute. I don't love it. No, the most I, he looks like a, a, this looks like Attack on Titan. Like he looks like a Titan <laughs> half of these uh, half of these uh, panels. Yeah, the gamma rays gave him extra teeth or something. Um, it was nice to see the what if of if the Hulk was in Home Alone. Um, <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's fine. I mean. To do a silent issue well, the art has to be absolutely spectacular. It's got to be visually interesting, but also, you know, tell a good story. And Aaron Cooter fucking knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. while it was a, a slight read and didn't really fit with um, or wasn't really essential to the main storyline, I still am I'm, I'm glad I read it. Um, I think it was absolutely stunning. And um, the Immortal Hulk is a good series, and but it's obvious that I haven't caught up yet to where Clark is. Uh... Adam? I was gonna say my absolute favorite is like 
having read this with Black Cat and King and Black Number One, I'm like literally the entire world or the entire city's on fire. People are screaming, all the Avengers are being taken away and this motherfucker's running around FAO Schwartz playing with toys. Like, I just think it's like <laughs> such a hilarious, like I just wish I could hear the sound from both from both issues. Cause you're just like, you fucking asshole, go do something. <laughs> He's doing that scene from Big where they're dancing on <laughs> Yeah. Meanwhile, people's <laughs> flesh is being ripped apart. Oh my God. You read my mind, yeah. All right, so that's the comics this week. Uh, did we have some news about uh, limited series with Beta Ray Bill? We should have. Uh, we did. did. Clark, speak on it. No, you speak on it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> seems like it's going to be a well-oiled machine that we are. <laughs> I have to scroll. I I would have had to scroll. It would have taken forever. That's fair. So there's going to be a limited series with uh, Beta Ray Bill. He's going to have his own title. It's going to be by Daniel Warren Johnson. And I think he is writing and drawing it. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, and uh, I think where we are at the current storyline, Beta Ray Bill's, hasn't he been, he's been removed of his Beta Ray powers. Like, or Bill, I don't know what that is. His Bill He's his Bill Ray now. His Beta Ray because the magical Do Donald Blake has uh, stolen. Uh, Donny Cage is obsessed with ripping things from people's bodies, and so he was ripped apart. His body was ripped apart by uh, by it. I'm excited. I like. I've like. I don't really know. We talk about him a lot uh, on the show, but I've never really read that much content with him in it. But what I've seen in the more recent Thor run, I've enjoyed. So I'm looking forward to getting a little and uh, and Guardians of the Galaxy. So Kayla. I highly, highly, highly recommend if you haven't read Walter Simonson's run on Thor from the 80s mm -hmm. to read it. It's the it's it's Beta Ray Bill's introduction, but he tells a long form storyline over like a hundred issues. It's like think Claremont with you know X Men right. back in back in the day when it was really good. Uh, but it's uh, Simonson's both a writer and an artist. He drew most of it uh, and then just wrote uh, the kind of the latter half of it. And like it is absolutely some of the most stunning comics I think I've read. It's, it's the word epic is used a lot. These are truly, truly epic books. Nice. Well, hopefully the uh, mini series, the limited series will be just as epic and interesting. Nope. All right, well, let's, uh, let's go on down to the Homo Superior trailer park. So we've got a bunch of trailers that came out last week. Um, the first one was for the is the full trailer for WandaVision, which is uh, starting January fifteenth on Disney Plus. Um, what did you guys think? Um, did they give too much away, Kalen? No, I still think there's a lot of mystery about like what exactly is happening. Um, but my favorite part of the trailer was they used a very creepy version of the Monkeys' Daydream Believer, mm -hmm. uh, a song I really liked as a kid. Um, but, um, I'm, I'm like every, like every teaser, every trailer like comes out, I want to see it more and more. Yeah. Um, I just love that they're playing with like, sort of like 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, like sitcom tropes. Cause I love, um, you know, it's a lot of stuff I grew up watching and I love, uh, uh, seeing how maybe the show could be super meta and dissect some of those tropes while telling its own kind of superhero story. Clark? I mean, it's going through every single period of television history. Um, I mean, with if with Dick and Vic, if Dick Van Dyke is involved with you know helping them oh, with cool. what they 
sitcom was back then, then yeah, they're going from fifties on. I I don't think there's anything about this I don't like so far. Like it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I say it like that with double negatives because usually I have many things I don't like. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm I'm very impressed and excited and it just I don't know. The visuals, it just looks like a lot of fun. It it just really seems like they are putting a lot, like you said, Clark, a lot of thought and care into it. And it just feels so different than and because one of my biggest fears especially with all of the inform like news that's coming out is like is it just i'm i'm worried that there's going to be oversaturation and there won't be if they play their cards right by juggling the standard marvel tone i think especially in tv shows juggling the marvel mm -hmm. tone with a little bit more of creative filmmaking and just that idea that they would even use this to also potentially make commentary references and jokes about this, you know, meta television kind of thing, I think is a huge plus. Uh, and I'd like to see a lot more of it for Marvel while also still seeing our typical sort of action movies, which I know there's a few other trailers that seem to fit those much more to a T. Kalen? Um, this will be the first foray into the MCU in over a year and a half. And I think people are going to be absolutely hungry to, you know, sink their teeth back into this universe. Um, you know, for a while, like, we had two to three movies coming out each year. So it's like, while they were great and we all look forward to them, it's like, oh, okay, now this is the next part of what the story is happening now. Um, I'm, I think everybody's super ready for, for, um, for us to like revisit these characters, revisit this world. Yeah. And what a cool way for us to start phase four. I mean, it was supposed to be Black Widow and then Eternals. But now it's just like trippy ass, like, you know, <laughs> right. um, story through yeah. sitcom tropes. Um, it looks, it just looks really cool. Brett? So a uh, note and then a question. Um, I'm ex uh, The note is I'm excited to see the FBI agent, Jimmy Woo, who yeah. is played by Randall Park in Ant-Man and the Wasp returning. I think that that will add maybe, you know, there's some parts of his role that I didn't like upon first viewing, but I think I liked more, you know, later. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to have an, uh, more characters, background characters like that who show up again and again. Um, then the question is, you know, this is going to be a bunch of, you know, commentary on tropes, you know, in sitcoms throughout decades. What would be a genre of television that you would hope that they kind of touch on maybe lightly? Um, for me, it would be if they did something related to a game show um, mm. where they have characters who have to play some game of consequence, even if it's only for like a part of an episode. I think it could be really fun. Kaylin? Um, I would, that's a great question because I would love for them to do a kind of late 70s, early 80s, post Star Wars knockoff sci fi show a la the original Battlestar Galactica or Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Oh, yeah. And oh, like, okay. just, yeah. and just, you know, you see, um, uh, you see like Scarlet Witch dressed up like, uh, uh, I think her name was Erin Gray, who was like the, uh, like uh, the, the love interest in Buck Rogers, like either way, like that, like, like cool jumpsuit. And you've got Vision dressed up like uh, Gil Gerard as, as Buck Rogers. But uh, in addition to Agent Wu, we also got to see uh, uh, Monica Rambeau. Yes. Uh, she's the yes. woman who knocked on the door in the 70s trope uh, with that cool afro. Um, you know, so uh, very exciting that we're going to see uh, uh, Photon uh, in, uh, in, in this uh, miniseries. 
Cool. I, I want to see in every, every single show. I want to see some version that includes Dynasty in any way. So I want to see like <laughs> the biggest, splashiest, dopiest, like giant house. They're all fucking rich as shit and beautiful moments in this show. <laughs> I want to see uh, Vision just... in like the biggest gown, walking down the stairs slowly with a drink, kind of. Thing. <laughs> you you want to see Vision and Scarlet Witch fighting in a yes, beautiful fountain? I want fountain. them to be pulling their hair and going like that. And yeah. then fall into the bath. <laughs> I really uh, just want Alexis Carrington to show up. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Um, I'll take a '90s uh, sitcom uh, mascot slash baby child that is infuriatingly annoying, as obviously a meta joke. That and it's obviously I'm assuming '90s is the last arc of this before she has to wake up. And then, like, whatever, whether it's a child or, like, a mascot, it just fucking turns into, like, a killer robot, and there's, like, a giant fight in their house that they uh, destruct. Um, yeah, Kaylin, when you said Kaylin. that, oh, when you said that um, I honestly thought that you were, like, they have a kid, the kid walks upstairs, and then you never see them again. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that, all of family matters. Adam, right. that made me think of um, the, di- the, di- the baby dinosaur and dinosaurs. Yeah. Which then made me think of um, William Barr. Oh yeah, <laughs> he looked fucking identical. I showed Jeez. my mom. I showed my mom a, a side by side, and she was shocked. <laughs> anyway. Oh my god! So we also got a trailer for the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is coming out starting March nineteenth. Uh, who's ready for a bromosexual uh, spy TV show? Taylor. Am I the only one that was kind of underwhelmed by this trailer? I, um, I like I, the characters, but I really was felt blah. It, yeah. I, well, because I, I think that's what I like, not oversaturated. It's, it's certainly a return to Marvel phase like two and maybe the beginning of three. Like it's got the quality. It's got some fun actors. I was enticed by the trailer, but it, it, it's just it just feels a little boring because it's just the same shit different day, which I was like, I'm not upset about. I'm excited to watch it, but I, but I don't feel like I'm, I'm not going to get anything new out of it. And maybe that's okay. Right. Like as long as it's high quality, generic Marvel, I'll still enjoy it, but I'm not, I'm not really excited. Brett or you just said new, I was thinking the exact same thing. There was nothing new. Like they showed Zemo who we've seen before. That was the newest thing we have. Like, give me, give me a hint about any new character, any new, anything. It was just, right. just the same shit. Anyway, sorry, Brent. I see. I, I, I wonder because the way I view it, you know, I didn't love winter soldier at first and the trailers don't give you much to go off of because there isn't a lot based off of like superpowers that you can really show off as far as new characters. Yeah. To me, it seemed like a TV show that was keeping its cards close to the chest that yeah. I think there's probably much more there, but they actually were showing you like, here's some actiony stuff and here's the underlying premise. We need something inspirational to motivate America. Um, which is what Captain America did. I I do hope, yeah, I do. It felt like a lot of the stuff was probably from the first episode besides maybe that big kind of finale in the Grand Canyon or wherever the fuck they were. So like that at least- Lesser felt- Canyon. <laughs> so, Easier to shoot there. 
in general, it felt like, yeah, like, again, I, I didn't have any negative signs. I'm like, I'll, it's a, it's an action movie. It looks fun. Interesting. It's, you're giving me like some decent, like bad boys two buddy cop comedy conversation. <laughs> like it's all good. Okay, uh, you say you saying bad bad boys two just makes me not want to watch it ever. <laughs> I, was, I meant to say but, bad boys, but, one, the original bad boys. Oh, uh, I was gonna say bad boys two. Fuck that homophobic movie. But um, the thing I worry about a little bit is like I like you know Sebastian Stan and uh, Anthony Mackie, but I like them how they kind of worked off of Chris Evans as Captain yes. America. Yeah, you pull Chris Evans out of it, and I'm wondering how the two of them are gonna do like against like against each other or bouncing off of each other i mean they could be great but it you're adam you're completely right it, it is it is a little too like phase two generic you know marvel movie and i mean we clearly like we know what's going to happen at the end it's going to be falcon turning into captain america i mean it's like i mean it's it's rather predictable i mean like everything that you we see in the trailer kind of leads us to that point right clark, uh sorry clark then adam then i'll go I was just gonna, uh, in terms of your, they're not really odd couple-y enough for me. Right. Yeah. But the odd coupliness, I feel like it with um, Ant-Man and Anthony Mackie's character and Falcon, I thought they were a good odd couple. Yes. And now he's going to be the weird one to Winter Soldier's, you know, brusque, cool one. It just, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't seem interesting enough in terms of... I well, the odd couple kind of makes it seem like, you know, both of them are at least joking types. One is a little bit more orderly. The other is a little bit messier. I think that Adam's notion is more right, that it's a buddy cop because, you know, you've got a lot to explore as far as Bucky goes with being this like person who is friendly with someone. Then they become this horrific monster and they're, they're kind of a loner outsider Versus someone who is who can joke around, is amicable, makes friends pretty easily. Um, that contrast is the essential contrast of every cop movie or TV show. And I think that there's actually a lot of potential there to develop both of those characters more fully. If they try and keep them in their right. comedic side character role, then it'll be ultimately very disappointing. Um, it is, you're right, Brent, that it can be open season on both of these characters because as much as they kind of got a little bit of development, it was obviously not their storyline. So it's up to the writers to really come up with something. I was going to quickly say that if in March, when we turn this on and it just happens to be a full-length episode of Dyke and Fats instead, I think I'd be, much <laughs> I'd be, I'd be so happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> Those are our words. <laughs> Clark? Oh, no, I was just going to say, just us talking through this, it made me realize why I was cold to it is that I don't like body, body cop movies or TV shows. Oh, I enjoy them. Well, well they're, I think it's... I do like, I, I like an odd couple fucked up, like, private detective dickhead show kind of thing, but I don't really just, I don't know. It Well, I, I'm interested. I think actually what you're also describing, what was missing is that the X Factor is the new characters for them to also play oh, off. Yeah. That's so, what like, I that's mean, bit, like, they could have even fucking featured whatever the uh, Captain Johnny America's Rocky. like granddaughter slash girlfriend, like still would have been a much better, like it would have been good to have all three of them or just like have a female presence, have a different presence than just two buff dudes 
who like kind of tell jokes but are also serious. Like it doesn't really, there's not hey, enough stay like, out of my, give and take. Stay out of my porn folder, okay, Adam? <laughs> Two buff dudes. All right, let's uh, move on um, uh, into the confusing and complex world of the TVA with the Loki trailer, which is uh, coming out in May of next year. Um, it looks, it's, it takes place right after Loki steals the uh, Tesseract at the, uh, in the middle of Avengers Endgame. Um, Kalen, what do you think? This is the uh, Marvel show in Disney Plus I'm looking most forward to. Um, first of all, um, Loki is just a phenomenal character. I'm glad they found a loophole to bring him back. Um, and I mean, we're, they're going to deal with the time variance authority. Uh, it's so fucking exciting. And did you notice the scene when they're like, they're, they have that kind of panel, the different Kang faces behind them as like the, the, like the big, the big sort of like busts. Like mm -hmm. I, everything about this trailer hits all my nerdy buttons. Like I am, I am so, so pumped for this show. Caitlin, can you talk a little bit about what the Time Variance Authority is? Sure, I'll probably do a very poor explanation. I might need Clark's help here, but they are essentially, they're like time cops, um, but without Jean-Claude Jean Van Damme. Uh, they're there to make sure that the, the, the continuum like doesn't get fucked up uh, by anybody who does too much time travel. So you clearly have a paradox here of uh, a Loki that's supposed to be dead uh, but, you know, they plucked him out of 2012 uh, because he found, as you said, Brent, the Tesseract and like kind of diverged off into his own timeline. So it's uh, it's kind of the explanation that, um, uh, you know, when Bruce Banner was talking to uh, the Ancient One in Endgame of like, you know, they have like the, the, the timeline and then they have these like sort of like branches that go off. But ultimately, those branches do get clipped here you have a branch that didn't get clipped. So that's that's why I think the TVA has gotten involved. Makes sense. Anyone else uh, excited for Owen Wilson? It, it's interesting that the, the TVA is so unimportant in actual Marvel comics. It's shown up in like, like five issues. Yeah. Well, isn't was, it no, not five, I was wrong. 32 issues, but like only a few storylines. But isn't that because they're mostly more, like Marvel comics are more focused on the alternate reality? Than oh, they do with actual... time travel constantly. It's just with Kang instead of with the time. Yeah. Travel. Oh, fair enough. Um, All the time with Kang, and so the fact that they we have we see Kang insignias that Kalen just mentioned makes it really yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's exciting to hear. Since he's going to be an Ant Man, yes. <clears throat> yes, he's allegedly, he's... yeah. So right? any references in the TV show that appear you know, toward him or any other future villains, I think will be very interesting. Yeah. I, to me, this one seems like it'll have the longest, more interesting run than, than say, Winter Soldier or uh, WandaVision. WandaVision kind of feels like it might be one or two seasons, one-off type stuff to get into the multiverse. But this one, you could basically play for as long as you wanted, um, you know, with... Loki jumping around through time in order to get him back into the movie timeline. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Adam, did you have anything about this or? 
Yeah, no, I was going to say if uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon was a phase two movie, then this is definitely phase three and even more. Uh, I'm super excited about this. I think it's interesting. I feel like the preview balanced the fine line again of giving a, it was definitely obviously not, not WandaVision like progressive, but certainly just seemed a lot more fun and exciting uh, than I think the Winter Soldier was. So I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, very Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of related to it, uh, and since you mentioned um, Doctor Strange earlier, or even I did, um, I, di I didn't realize that in Doctor Strange 2, um, the Multiverse of Madness, America Chavez is supposed to be in it. I read that like today. Oh. So I was because yeah. they're bringing her they're uh they're bringing her comic back and in the news article i read it said you know it's it's a coincide with her being in dr strange which is supposed to be coming out in march of 2022 so i was like oh that's cool that's interesting yeah um the last trailer we have um is the what if which is an animated exploration of different potential what ifs that could happen in the marvel universe um from the eyes of the watcher uh that is supposed to come out in summer of next year did any of the stories interest you did some of them seem lame could this be interesting like the twilight zone or is it just fun pop consumption uh adam then kaylin uh i think it's i think it's yes i think it's <laughs> the answer is yes to all of those i think some of them seem fun i love that they're tying the episodes to each of the movies, I think it's like, uh, you know, obviously kind of network exec slash creative director combination, like so intelligent to be like, revisit our movies while also uh, getting new experiences. I wasn't the biggest fan of the uh, animation style, um, but I just think it'll be a lot of fun to, to see what's up. But I do think it's gonna be like any, I think I would say anthology series, there's gonna be winners and there's gonna be losers. Um, but I didn't see any, I really am excited about the Peggy Carter if she was Captain um, Britain, I guess, unless <laughs> Captain UK. Um, I, I'm excited about that. And then also the uh, with uh, T'Challa becoming part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but I did find that like a cute twist, but I don't really know how much it'll pay off in terms of being really interesting story. I just think uh, I love the idea and I think it fits totally with phase four plus, which again, we're obviously talking time travel. We're talking different realities. We're talking Kang. So I don't know. It's just all very coming together nicely. Kalen. So the animation, um, it looked like uh, Archer had a baby with waking life. Right. Um, I could not tell you how disappointed I was in that like kind of very uncanny valley animation. It just made me feel uncomfortable. Uh, second, um, I was worried about this uh, series when it was announced, and the trailer uh, makes me even more worried. The reason why What If worked for a while in the comics, uh, there was two major, two major runs, and then they ended up doing a bunch of one shots later on. The one in like the kind of the late seventies, early eighties, and then one in the late eighties through the nineties, and then they did a bunch of one shots in the two thousands. Is the Marvel universe at that time, even in the up to the seventies? was rich enough where you could yeah. say this, if, you know, this happened, what would happen if X, ha you know, if this happened instead? Like, what if, uh, you know, Gwen Stacy hadn't died? What if Dark Phoenix wasn't killed? What if Secret Wars, you know, you know, the Beyonder fucked everybody up? 
You know, there's a lot of rich story potential there. The MCU is 12 years old. There ain't a lot for them to go on. I mean, we've seen, you know, clearly Peggy Carter becoming Captain Britain, uh, T'Challa becoming, you know, Star-Lord, essentially. There's something going on with Doctor Strange. There's something going on with Thor. Uh, I just don't think there's enough material there for there to be a what if uh, in, in this universe. Brent? There's something about what ifs that I love as a concept, but can often get bogged down. Like there's, you need to have a balance between asking actual piercing, thoughtful kind of questions under the guise of some larger story framework. And also here's a really fun, interesting thing. Like the, the best balance that I think was struck is in Futurama with their what if machine where yeah. they basically sometimes have like stupid, que- they, they're always stupid questions, but there's a kind of richness to it where you feel like, okay, I'm taking parts I know and I'm plugging into situations I don't and seeing how they would react. And there's a certain necessity to understand the chemistry between characters to make that really interesting. Like the fact that in the trailer, we saw this interaction between a young T'Challa and Yandu where T'Challa's like, I'm out exploring. And you hear Yandu say, well, why don't you explore the universe? That sounds like a much more kid version. Yeah. What Yandu kind of represented or was as a character that makes me feel like they're going to abandon any of the interesting nuances you could explore for you know the kind of more simple, easy to, uh, more palatable, um stuff that's like mass marketable like uh, stories about zombieism are interesting because they're commentary and if you just add zombies to your story that doesn't mean your story is fun or good um clark yeah um i wasn't going to talk about this first but i liked the the zombie thing just because it is taken entirely have you seen the movie heavy metal yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's taken from the b17 uh short you know, where um, the, the pilot's being chased by zombies, like the zombies are being um, in the plane and they crash and they eat them. But anyways, the shot where these, we, we see a zombified Captain America is shot by shot, basically, from one of the stills. And I immediately was like, wait a minute, because I love that movie. I love that movie as a kid. It's so fucked up and crazy. Um, definitely the first time I saw breasts. Not that that's like exciting for me, but exciting. What if Clark (laughs) (laughs) It did nothing for me, but it was still thrilling. I think you bring up up a good point, uh, Kaylin, too, of like, who is the audience for this? Um, Because I, you know, is it going to be more of a, like, mid-level kids focus show will it be more for and again like obviously kids should enjoy the marvel movie like they are the main audience even though we're grown uh, that love them too um but it's just i think that's really gonna tell whether or not it succeeds is like and who it, and if it's good for whoever it's for like if it if it turns out that it is more of like you were saying brent these more generic just like cartoon-esque storylines of like a Saturday morning show, then okay, fine. But if they try to do more interesting concepts to tell stories, um, you know, it'll be interesting. But yeah, it, it does feel like it's a little bit more of a fun grab of content as opposed to anything that will really have long lasting impact or interest 
uh, when you know all this stuff gets can, can reviewed, I guess, in like 10 years. I mean, so but, many of the what if comics ended horribly in terms of just like, well, what if this person died? Well, the world would fucking end. Yeah. And it was just like, Jesus, this was bleak. And like, yeah. I don't, these aren't going to end bleakly. No. Well, I think I that's an interesting way of setting up your structure because we live in the world where our heroes win. We ultimately defeat the villain. And for them to kind of create stories where if the things didn't go right that we thought, how bad would it get? It acts as kind of this like meta story weight to say like, hey, we could like any story that you have, if you lost, what if something slightly changed? It would be a much worse outcome. I mean, the, the real one is what if Pizza Rat didn't be Pizza Rat? You know, that's <laughs> yeah. the one that keeps, keeps us all up at night. <laughs> all right. Uh, Kaylin, any last thought? Uh, no, I mean, we'll be watching all of them and re reviewing on podcasts. Adam? I, oh, I do have the best one, though. It's like, it's going to be, what if Thanos just decided to create more supplies instead of killing half of the planet? What if Thanos killed a quarter of the planet? <laughs> <laughs> they're going to show, like, everything would be fine for a couple of years, and now they're back at it again. All right, so Tom Holland's career appears to be mimicking his youth and its ability to never end, as Marvel Studios and Sony Pictures have extended the deal that allows the character uh, Spider-Man to exist in the MCU. Uh, Spider-Man. In August of last year, the two companies split their partnership on Spider-Man briefly, and Tom Holland drunkenly called the executives asking them to work it out. So, of course, they reached a deal where Spider-Man's third appearance would be in a Sony film, and the door was open for another MCU film, which now appears to least be two uh how many years do you think they can keep holland as spider-man and do you think his tenure will act as kind of a marker as an era for the mcu uh adam yeah i i do think that i mean they're playing him like they're playing all the other mcu actors and actresses which rightfully so is like i'm pretty sure this character will come and go with tom holland i hope and that they don't decide, I mean, Sony might, but certainly Tom Holland's experience will define what the fit is for MCU. I don't think they would, if Tom Holland had to leave or wanted to leave, I don't think they would recast someone else to play <laughs> Spider-Man continuing the MCU. And that's a good I mean, thing. Will, but it's Miles. They're not gonna recast him. Oh, right, exactly. Yeah, perfect. That's what they're probably more than anything else leading up to. Um, yeah. And just, I'm excited for this. I think he adds so much to the ensemble cast. And it's like, he definitely, without, Without, until they incorporate Deadpool, he has that good, like, slight audience connection of like, wait, what the fuck is happening? Or like, why is this going on? There's just a lot of good things. I think he adds a lot of value to the MCU, so I'm glad that it's continuing. There's nobody he doesn't play well against. He's yeah. like, he makes everybody more interesting when he's around. Yep. Yeah, he's great. You mentioned Deadpool, and I am getting more and more nervous about uh, them trying to integrate Deadpool into the MCU. Um, as much as I like, um, gosh, what's the actor who plays him? Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. I, I like Ryan Reynolds. I like the first Deadpool movie a lot. The second one was okay, uh, but not great. Um, I just, I, I think it's going to be like square peg round hole when you it's try gonna, to put him in there. It's going to be the biggest shark jump in the world. Like I'm already nervous about oversaturation and them like, you know, people love the MCU because the MCU's tone is X, Y, and Z. 
what they're going to do once they introduce Deadpool is just keep wrapping further and further around itself, which is what I'm really terrified. So I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you, Kalen. Yeah. I mean, I worry that, you know, more and more characters like, like someone like Tom Holland could have a career of 30 years in the MCU if he really wanted it. Um, I just hope that we don't, that they don't build their structure continually about around white males. Like yeah. it is a terrible yeah. thing that uh, Chadwick Boseman passed away uh, because he would have been an excellent person to kind of continue some sort of legacy. But yeah. if they gave, if Tom Holland like took a break and then came back 10 years later, I would not be mad uh, for like a return of the like original Spider-Man. Caitlin uh, uh, and Clark. Uh, Clark was first. Go ahead, Clark. Every oh, single young character they're bringing on now is not a white male. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Um, uh, shoot, Miss America Chavez. We've got Miss Marvel coming. We have Cassie Lang. We have um, uh, whatever Hawkeye number oh, two, yeah. etc. Like literally, they haven't brought a single one on. So obviously, the next generation is going to be. Much, much, much more diverse. Well, I think to that point, though, I'd like to see them quickly evolve his character then to prepare him to be more of a mentor like he was mm -hmm. in the Spider-Verse. And I think Tom Holland could certainly play both sides. He probably needs at least 10 okay. more years before he looks adult enough to play a that's, mentor. But that's, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I mean, they'll they'll bring on a Miles at some point and they'll definitely do a, a story that's just the two of them. Right. In order mm -hmm. to get to that place. Well, they'll do Spider-Gwen first because white women always uh, rule the diversity roost, I think. So. Well, well we're getting Silk. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting an Asian female. That's right. That's yeah, true. That's right. So in more erection-inducing contract news, uh, Marvel Studios is beginning to rework contracts for actors, directors, and producers to receive compensation if their movies are released simultaneously with or exclusively on streaming platforms like Disney+. Plus. These changes wouldn't affect any of the productions currently under schedule, but would likely affect those in pre-production, such as the possible Black Widow sequel. Um, surely these kind of contracts will be more common over the next year. What do you guys make of these, uh, this decision? I mean, I, that's, it's smart. It's, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's much, much better done than Warner Brothers just shoving this news out and no one knowing about it until they announced it to the public. And everyone freaking out and wanting to punch them in the face. Yeah, it just just seems like good business. I, I'm not too. My uh, mm -hmm. boyfriend was like terrified that this meant the death knell for mo for movie theaters, and was like, "Eh, you know, this is just good business practice because they have to be prepared for all of these risks in the future." Oh no, it's 100% true because so many actors and stuff they get like 30% take on whatever a movie makes or something and if a movie's not going to make money because it's right. on some like site that's you're paying for the entire site then how do they get that money yeah I don't uh, I don't know how much if movie studios don't have to like is there strong incentives for them to introduce things onto their streaming services? Like once coronavirus is over, this seems more like a like a, a thing that'll now be included in clauses rather than a likely way of movies being released. I don't 
to me, it doesn't see, it seems like we've got a bunch of studios have a bunch of movies that are ready to go. Yeah. Like why produce movies to be released online unless you've got some sort of like other paywall structure. I just, yeah, I, I, we have to see how many movie theaters are left. Yeah. Wah, wah. <laughs> no, it's yeah, home movie theater systems. Um, okay, so, um, Kaylin, do you want to do C News? Yep, uh, very quickly. Um, looks like we found out what DC will be doing once uh, Future State is over, and it is called Infinite Frontier which basically signifies to me that the uh, multiverse is back. Uh, they've got a bunch of new books coming out, including a um, Joker solo book. Harley Quinn's coming back. Um, Brian Michael Bendis is taking over Justice League, as I anticipated at one point. And my uh, bit of favorite news is Tom Taylor is going to be taking over Nightwing. So one of my favorite writers is going to be writing one of my favorite characters. Finally, it's like chocolate and peanut butter together again for the first time. So um, excited about some of the news. Don't care about some of the other news. Um, and yeah, that's about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so do you want to wrap up, Clark, with uh, you've got something? I don't know what it is. I guess. Yeah, I got something. All right. We're watching. Uh, okay. now. <laughs> I, so first off, I want to say how upset I am that Joe Biden didn't take any of our, our suggestions as to who should be in the cabinet. Optimus Prime. Oh, sure. <laughs> Optimus Prime should have been Secretary of Treasury, but no, god damn it, I don't know what he's thinking. Anyways, um, since it's Christmas, and we haven't really mentioned the fact that it's Christmas, and we usually do a, a white elephant thing, but Ryan's not here, so we'll see. This is going to be our version of Christmas. I want, um, does anyone have like a movie they have to see every year that's like, even yeah. if it's a family thing or a friend thing or your own every, thing? Every Christmas... Every Christmas, Tristan and I watch White Christmas, starring Bing Crosby and some other people. Oh my yeah. gosh. And, and starring people. Bing Crosby and Tristan's Instagram account. Got it. <laughs> That's the white? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, they're both the white. But oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, it's well, not a perfect movie. There was not a single person of color in that movie, and I never not noticed that. You get it's, uncomfortable. Called, it's in the title. It's in do you, the title. Do you get, a, it, get uncomfortable with the song Mr. Bones because you know that it's just blackface without them actually being in blackface? Ew. You know, like I'm, I'm proud of, out of the fact that they didn't do it. <laughs> Brent's, but, like, uh, Brent's like, I'm sorry I brought this up. <laughs> yeah, look, it's not. It's no, I watch the fun. movie every year too, but I get uncomfortable. But I'm also like, okay, thank goodness they didn't go into blackface. They just minstreled in their, in, in their own face. I forget about that song, but yeah. No, I, I hated that song too. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I do like anyway, Sister. The one I have to see no matter what. Well, there's two. Um, one I have to see for my own self alone is, um, so I can masturbate to it, is um, Muppets Christmas Carol. <laughs> Necessary. Michael Caine just gets me off. Um, and then number two is my family and I have you to- You stroke your own Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> we always have to watch um christmas vacation okay. partially because it's um my name is clark and so every time any any line is said it has to be said at me Clark <laughs> and then it's also just fucked up and a goddamn mess and we can quote the hell out of it brent i have a question and a comment the question is 
did you have a game related to the or we just discussed? i don't know i don't okay. know <laughs> so then the comment is i feel like the listeners should know that clark is currently in a very christmasy room because he's currently wearing a bright red sweater in a room shaped like a triangle that is also painted the same color as a tennis Ooh. ball. Yeah. And I've got it a looks like a Dr. Seuss mm-hmm. character. Yeah, Clark, yeah, take a photo of your tree on our Instagram. There are at least eight things on it that say my name. Clark is the, definitely the, the top I, is I, a picture. There's a picture of me as like a seven-year-old as the as the tree topper. <laughs> Basically, we have two we have two Christmas trees in the house. I've taken all my ornaments and put them on my tree. Uh, yeah, anyways, Caleb, what, what kind of movie do you like? What's your favorite Christmas well, thing movie? Well, uh, I wanted to make a comment on what you said about uh, uh, Christmas Vacation. I want to only watch Christmas Vacation, but just with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, just her yeah. scenes. <laughs> as as Why the stuck-up yuppie. Why is all wet, Todd? Yeah. <laughs> Todd. I don't know, Margo. Yes, I absolutely <laughs> love Those scenes are great. They're the best. They're the absolute best. And they're the unsung heroes of the movie. But um, for me, uh, it was um, three things. It was one, it was The Grinch, uh, The Grinch is Still Christmas, the animated one, of course, not the abortion with uh, Jim Carrey. Um, A Charlie Brown Christmas, because that's just a classic. And then uh, A Christmas Story, when like TBS would be playing that goddamn movie over and over and over again. Uh, Like, I I do love that movie uh, so much, but like, at one point, I'm pretty sure I got sick of it, but it is a it is it is a goddamn classic. Adam, I think mine is the only one that I I don't really watch anything yearly, but I do. I will always try to pull up if I need to put something on. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. It yes, is, it is. It actually covers two holidays too, which is great. So I probably Fair. probably do Very end up right. watching it at least both. once a year for either Halloween or Christmas. Um, well, I- I was thinking the the opposite. What um what movie do you fucking hate? That's a Christmas movie. You just mentioned I hate a Christmas story so much. Me too. My cousins, my cousins make me watch it every year, like three times, and I just want to punch every single character in the fucking face. I I never really watched it. Remember the, the part bullet. when like the little brother just like wails this shit, uh, or they just wail wail the fuck on that bully? I just want to do that to every single character in the movie. I fucking hate it. I feel like uh, I never have really watched the full movie from end to end. And I know this is not the point of the story, but for some reason, point of the movie, but for some reason, every time I see it, I thought about the narrator and like this, like white males, for some reason, I was like, this is just an incel story. Like obviously I didn't have the word, but I, like, I was always annoyed by it. Cause I'm just like, this just sounds like some fucking, I the same reason why I didn't like the wonder years. I always hate like straight man brain narrative show, like conversations. Cause I'm just like, eh, this is just boring to me. I don't know. Um, so but yeah, you didn't I did not like, like that movie. Did you not like Stand By Me then? The, uh, the, I, don't the, actually, I don't think I've seen it. I don't think I've watched the film of that movie. It's great. Brett? I'd say Iron Man 3. Um, <laughs> I, I recently rewatched it, and it is as much a Christmas movie, if not more so, than Die Hard. Yeah. But it's not it's not good like it it they're constantly talking about christmas the ending of the movie is surrounded on like him giving her a big gift and learning to like lose his you know selfishness or whatever about being oh there. god but it's not good 
it really feels like a Christmas movie when you watch it multiple times, like eight. <laughs> All right. In a so, row. I'm not- did everyone do their favorite, their least hey, favorite? Kayla, what's your worst? What's your worst? Oh God, what's the worst? I don't know. Probably uh, Fred Claus or whatever that piece of shit was. <laughs> the Santa oh, Claus? No, no, Fred Claus. Claus. Oh, Vince okay, Vince Vaughn, that's his name. The movie is okay. uh, No, he meets the Santa Claus Three with Jack Frost. <laughs> the original Santa Claus is a classic. I do love that movie. I used to watch that all the time. Oh, I didn't like that the one Dustin either. I, didn't like, I don't like Tim Allen. Is that what yeah, you're the one with Tim Allen. I think you're thinking of the Snowman movie, wasn't it? Not Jack. Anyway, wait, did you no. wait, did you see the wait? I'm sorry. Did you see the uh, the movie Santa Claus the movie with like Dustin Hoffman and uh, yes. John Lithgow? That's oh. a good movie. That's a good movie. Are right, you Christmas too? Somewhere or? <laughs> All right. So you can do and or describe how you would kill a character from your favorite Christmas movie and have sex with a character <laughs> from your least favorite Christmas movie. Oh God, it is a Christmas miracle. Okay, so in, in White Christmas, they take a train up to Vermont and that's really where you like get the White Christmas part because it's Vermont and they think it's gonna be like wintry and snowy, but it's just like, it's just, you know, woods and shit the train derails on their way to Vermont and all the protagonists are killed uh, in a horrific several car pileup. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the way I would have sex with someone that's set in uh, Iron Man 3, <laughs> I, I guess as, the, as I'm coming to orgasm, uh, uh, the party procedure that Tony Stark has enacted uh, in the Navy Yard, comes collapsing down and crushes me uh, underneath. That's my sexual fantasy. Uh, I would, I would uh, just simply take an axe, walk into Halloween Town, and chop off uh, the mayor's spinning head. And then I would have sex with that frozen pole in a Christmas story. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would um, kill the narrator of a Christmas story with the lamp that looks like a leg. Mm. Um, and I mean, and then take their I, leg and make it into an actual lamp. There you go. Uh, and then for Fred Claus, I guess I got to fuck Fred Claus somehow, and like it would just be gross. I don't know. You could fuck yourself I, uh, if you bought it. Pay money for no, it. That's true. <laughs> you rent. You just rent it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm fucked for two hours. <laughs> but I rent the VHS for some reason. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Clark, what about you? I'm sure you've thought about meticulous plans for both of these events. So I, yeah, well, yeah. So I would murder, and I do like him, but I would murder Bean Bunny. Um, Bean Bunny is is like the little character from the Muppets who is just kind of a wiener and is it's like a homeless little baby. Anyways, not really. But good. I want him to just so there's a whole part where like just I want him to just watch him just freeze to death and just like be smoking a cigarette just far enough that it won't warm him in any way. And as soon as I see like life go to his eyes, just flick the cigarette away. And with the sex, I it's also a Christmas story, but and this is. It, because um, one of our one of my favorite restaurants is 
quasi closing for the time being. Dao Hung Pao's closing. I want to go to, you know, the Chinese restaurant that the family goes mm-hmm. to in the movie. So they and like have some weird lazy Susan sex with all of the Chinese food workers. Okay. That's just perfect. Okay. So <laughs> I had something and now it's gone. Well, uh, that's Clark's got something. Um, again, I don't know what to say after that. Uh, as Clark mentioned, we would normally do our secret Santa this week, uh, but because 2020 has been so terrible, we did not have time to put that together. Fear not, come January, uh, we'll have something similar fun. Um, again, we're going to be off next week due to Christmas. So please uh, have a Merry Christmas or a Happy Christmas. Uh, but brace yourselves because we'll be releasing a series of secret records on each season of Fargo, including the recently released fourth season, which is available on FX and Hulu. Um, and we'll be back the following week uh, for our best and worst of 2020. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Twitter, um, at Homo Superior X. We've been Homo Superior, where we enjoy watching the life leave our favorite character's eyes. Um, Kaylin, do you have something? Yeah, it's an X Men podcast. I'm wishing you all an uncanny X Men. Well, don't be so pissed about it. <laughs> yeah, you could have done that at the part where I was going to say, "Hey, does anyone have any X Men?" <laughs> yeah, you all get coal, verbal coal. Oh, cool. Are you going to turn this off now? All well, right. Merry Christmas. You know, good luck, everyone. I have, guess. A, have a good year or something. <laughs> Happy 